Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. The MacArthur Memorial is a museum and research center dedicated to the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur. The memorial is also dedicated to preserving and presenting the story of the millions of men and women who served with General MacArthur. To find out more about the memorial, please visit the website macarthurmemorial.org or find the General Douglas MacArthur Memorial on Facebook. You can find additional podcast episodes on the website or on iTunes. The first surnames, or last names, appeared in Europe around the 11th century. Before then, most people rarely left the immediate vicinity of their homes, and thus were known to their neighbors, making a family name unnecessary. For those who did go abroad, they were usually referred to by their first name and their village of origin. Once adopted, however, many last names were based on physical traits or occupation, while others contained the father's first name. The MacArthur name was of this latter variety. The name literally means son of Arthur. Since the American Civil War, General Douglas MacArthur's family name has featured the modern anglicized spelling of MacArthur, M-A-C-A-R-T-H-U-R. Centuries ago, the accepted spelling was likely M-C-A-R-T-A-I-R, MacArthur. Today, there are nearly 30 recognized variant spellings of the MacArthur surname. From the Scottish Highlands to America, for centuries, Douglas MacArthur's ancestors have played prominent roles in world history. The family is said to descend from Fergus, a 5th century king of Scotland, and according to legend, they also descend from King Arthur himself. There is evidence that the MacArthur name is one of the oldest in Scotland. This is reflected by the old adage, The hills and streams in McAlpine, but whenceforth came MacArthur. In his autobiography, General MacArthur quoted another Scottish saying, there is nothing older except the hills, MacArthur, and the devil. Records suggest that the area around Loch Awe in Argyll, northwest of Glasgow, was a stronghold for the earliest MacArthurs. The clan was known to have been in this region at least as early as 1200 AD. A MacArthur ancestor was among the nobles who forced England's King John to sign the Magna Carta in 1215 and MacArthur's fought alongside Robert the Bruce in his struggle to unite the clans of Scotland in the early 1300s. The coronation of King James I of Scotland in 1424 marked the beginning of the end of the powerful Highland clans, including that of the MacArthurs. Resentful and somewhat wary of the power and threat posed by the Highlanders, James had the clan chief, Ian MacArthur, who was described as a great chief among his own men and leader of a thousand men, executed in 1427. The troubles continued for the MacArthurs. During the mid-16th century, a feud erupted between a branch of the MacArthurs and the Campbell clan, the reasons for which are unknown today. The feuding parties met in battle on Loch Awe in 1567. Many MacArthurs were killed in this battle. General MacArthur's family history offers a largely romanticized account of the reason for this violent breach between the MacArthurs and the Campbells. At the heart of this version is a great betrayal by the Campbells. According to the MacArthurs, a beautiful daughter of a Campbell chieftain fell in love with a MacArthur and eloped. 
This led to hostilities between the clans, but a truce was eventually arranged. The MacArthurs then invited the Campbells to a reconciliation feast in one of their strongholds. All the attendees were supposed to arrive without weapons. In the late evening, after much food and drink had been consumed, the Campbells, who had concealed weapons, drew their daggers and disposed of the MacArthur leadership. The Campbells offer a different explanation for the feud. According to them, the beautiful daughter of the Campbell chieftain was abducted against her will by a MacArthur. She refused his advances and was hung by her hair outside of a MacArthur stronghold. This continued until she was rescued by the Campbells, who stormed the stronghold and put 600 MacArthurs in a common grave. Whatever the actual cause of the feud, it was clearly intense and bloody, and not easily forgotten. In the first half of the 18th century, MacArthurs fought on both sides during the Jacobite rebellions, which sought to restore the Stuart family to the throne of Great Britain. In the wake of the failed rebellions, Scotland suffered serious reprisals at the hands of the English. Army garrisons were stationed throughout Scotland, Jacobite sympathizers were incarcerated, and the wearing of kilts and clan tartans was prohibited. During this time, large-scale immigration began in Scotland. It is estimated that about 150,000 Scots immigrated to North America by the time of the American Revolution. They settled throughout the American colonies, in Nova Scotia, and the Caribbean islands. Some even attempted to establish a Scottish colony in what is now Panama. Around this time, near Loch Catherine, a romantic region often described by Sir Walter Scott in his novels, General MacArthur's great-grandparents appear in the historical record. This branch of the family begins with the marriage of two MacArthurs, Arthur MacArthur and Sarah MacArthur. Their son would later claim that this made him a double-distilled MacArthur. Married in November 1812, Arthur and Sarah MacArthur resided in Glasgow. They had a daughter in 1815, and in 1817, tragically, both the daughter and Arthur died, days before the birth of the double-distilled young Arthur MacArthur, who was named after his deceased father. In 1824, Sarah MacArthur remarried. Four years later, like many fellow Scots, she emigrated with her family to the United States, settling in Uxbridge, Massachusetts, about 60 miles south of Boston. There she gave birth to two more children. Young Arthur was sent to Uxbridge Academy, where he excelled until the school closed in 1831. He was then enrolled in a boarding school in Amherst, Massachusetts. In the fall of 1836, he enrolled at Wesleyan College in Middleton, Connecticut. Within a year, however, he dropped out of Wesleyan and began studying law in New York City. While in New York, he met a young woman named Aurelia Belcher. She was the daughter of one of the leading families of Springfield, Massachusetts. Over the objections of her parents, the two married in 1840. The future grandmother of Douglas MacArthur, through her, Douglas MacArthur, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and Winston Churchill all shared a common ancestor. For a while, Arthur MacArthur got along well with his new wife's family. Over time, however, as the young lawyer became a strong Jacksonian Democrat, he began to butt heads with his in-laws, who were among Springfield's elite. Shortly after the birth of his first child, also named Arthur, the family moved to New York City to open a new law practice. 
Their stay in New York City was brief, however. By 1849, they moved west to the newly admitted state of Wisconsin, settling in Milwaukee. Arthur Sr. was quickly accepted into the city's leading social circles. He was friends with Rufus King, the editor of the Milwaukee Sentinel, and with fellow Scotsman Alexander Mitchell, with whom he organized the Robert Byrne Society, later renamed the St. Andrews Society. In 1852, his political star was on the rise. He was elected city attorney, and Aurelia gave birth to a second son named Frank. Although the child was a happy addition to the family, Aurelia's health took a sudden turn for the worse. Months after Frank's birth, she had what doctors referred to as a mental breakdown. Today, most historians believe that she likely suffered from postpartum depression. In order to cheer her spirits, the family physician advised sending her east to visit with her family. She never returned. Instead, she was committed to a sanitarium outside of Chicopee, Massachusetts. She would see her husband and sons only once more before her death in 1864. In 1855, Arthur Sr. was chosen to be the Democratic nominee for lieutenant governor. He easily won the election, but his running mate, William Barstow, was elected governor amid charges of election fraud. In the ensuing controversy, Barstow stepped down and Arthur assumed the office of governor for several days before the courts determined that the Republican nominee had actually won the governor's seat. When an armed group of men arrived in the governor's mansion to demand his resignation, Arthur acquiesced. He finished his term as lieutenant governor and left office in 1857. Remarkably, the election scandal somehow left his reputation relatively unscathed, and he went on to win election for two terms as a judge on the Wisconsin Circuit Court, Second Judicial Circuit, starting in 1857. The judge, as Arthur Sr. will now be referred to, took a great deal of interest in the future of his eldest son and namesake. Young Arthur belonged to a group of friends known as the King's Corner Gang. The group included Charles King, James Cogswell, and Charles Cotton. Of this group, Cogswell and Cotton would both become rear admirals. Arthur would become a lieutenant general, and King would later serve alongside Arthur during the Spanish-American War. Several of the King's Corner gang headed off to West Point or Annapolis, but Arthur did not join them. Instead, the judge enrolled him at Milwaukee University High, whose curriculum was business and law-oriented rather than military in nature. The judge wanted Arthur to follow his profession. Stubborn, Arthur continued to plead for a military career. In June 1860, the judge finally relented and allowed his son to attend a military school in Illinois. With the election of Abraham Lincoln in 1860, 11 southern states seceded from the Union to form their own government, the Confederate States of America. The dissolution of the Union was appalling to Judge MacArthur. He formed the pro-Lincoln Union Democratic Party and spoke before huge audiences statewide to persuade men to enlist in Wisconsin's volunteer regiments. Sixteen-year-old Arthur, however, was not permitted to join the Army. To prevent his son from running off and lying about his age to enlist, the judge hired a detective to follow Arthur around and used his political influence to discourage recruiting officers from accepting his son. Frozen out, young Arthur was forced to watch regiments drill while he desperately searched for an alternative. 
By the spring of 1862, young Arthur was afraid that the war would be over before he could be a part of it. His father relented again and agreed to compromise. Arthur, if he could secure an appointment to West Point, would be allowed to attend the academy. The judge made this promise, hoping that the war would be over by the time Arthur graduated. And so in May of 1862, Arthur and the judge traveled to Washington to appeal directly to President Lincoln for an appointment to West Point. The two called on the president, but to no avail. Only ten presidential appointments were allotted each year, and these had already been filled, one of them by Arthur's friend Charlie King. Lincoln offered instead an appointment the following year, much to the judge's delight. Arthur, however, refused to wait another year. Upon their return to Milwaukee, the judge finally surrendered and used his connections to have Arthur appointed regimental adjutant of the newly formed 24th Wisconsin Infantry Regiment with the rank of first lieutenant. At 17 years old, Arthur was not an impressive-looking officer. When he turned out for the 24th's first dress parade, he tripped over his own sword scabbard. He was an object of ridicule until October 8, 1862, when the 24th Wisconsin underwent its baptism of fire at the Battle of Perryville in Kentucky. His behavior under fire was exemplary and consistent, as he soon proved in the Battle of Murfreesboro or Stones River several months later. At one point, barely recovered from a bout with typhoid, Arthur later took part in an attack on Missionary Ridge, 600 feet above the plains of Chattanooga. The attack, more of a climb, turned into a race as each regiment wanted to be the first to plant its flag and push the Confederates from the high ground. Arthur seized the flag from the 24th's fallen color bearer and managed to make it to the summit, rallying the 24th along the way. For his role in this battle, he later received the Medal of Honor. By the end of the Civil War, a 19-year-old Arthur had attained a brevet promotion to colonel and had been wounded several times. With the war over, young Arthur accepted a commission in the U.S. Army as a second lieutenant. Having been a colonel in the wartime army, he was somewhat disappointed to start at the lowest grade of commissioned officer in the army, but he was assured that promotions would come swiftly. Within months, he was promoted to captain and transferred to the American West for frontier duty. It would be 23 years before he would again be promoted. On July 15, 1870, President Grant appointed his father the judge as an associate justice on the Supreme Court of the District of Columbia. The judge would spend the remaining years of his life in Washington, remarrying, moving in high society, accepting speaking engagements, and writing books. In 1874, Arthur's regiment was relieved of frontier duty and ordered to New Orleans. While there, Arthur MacArthur was invited to many social engagements. At a Mardi Gras party, he met Mary Pinkney Hardy. Arthur and Pinky, as he called her, were married on May 19, 1875, in her hometown of Norfolk, Virginia. Her father wrote of Arthur, "He is too great a stranger to me to form a decided opinion of him." As yet, however, all that I have seen or heard of him impresses me very favorably towards him. In 1875, Pinky gave birth to their first child, a boy named Arthur, in the family tradition. Three years later, their second son Malcolm was born in Connecticut. 
Then on January 26, 1880, in the Arsenal Barracks in Little Rock, Arkansas, Pinky gave birth to a third son, named Douglas. Years later, Douglas MacArthur would write that his parents had intended for him to be born in Norfolk, but he arrived sooner than expected. Nevertheless, Norfolk claimed him, with the local papers announcing his birth as follows. Douglas MacArthur was born on January 26th, while his parents were away from Norfolk. The youngest of three brothers, by the late 1920s, Douglas MacArthur was the only surviving child of Arthur and Pinky. From the earliest days of his youth, he was encouraged to look back on his MacArthur family history in Scotland and America with pride. When his only child, a son, was born in 1938, he named the boy Arthur, following a long family tradition, linking the latest Arthur to centuries of MacArthur family history. Other podcasts in this series cover in-depth the lives of MacArthur's parents, his father's Civil War service, his brothers, and his long years of service. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to contact Amanda Williams at amanda.williams at norfolk.gov.